0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Spiritual Side Note Podcast. I noticed I started off the same way every time. Hey, everybody. I should come up with varying ways of greeting you all who are tuning in to our podcast. If this is your first time, you have no idea that that's the same thing I do every time. Um, but uh, we're so excited to be able to share our conversation with you today. I think this is episode 14. And I say I think every time because I never actually remember. I should pull that up maybe before we record. But um, we've been rolling for a while. We started in January. It's been a few months. It's been fun. Um, hopefully you got a chance to check out last week's podcast. Mm-hmm. as we had our little two-year-old Athalia James on here talking with Haley for like 40 minutes almost. It was and like she
1: didn't want to stop.
0: No, she And loved she it. wanted
1: to be back today or like all the time. She's yeah. asked to be back on the podcast Probably no less than 15 times.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was such a fun conversation. Um, listening back to you two talk from last week and uh, some of her phrases. Man, when she said, talk about Jesus being born and then, how did, how did it go? Woman,
1: you the best. You the best. So she has repeated that a lot this week because she knows I laughed when yep. she said that. Yep. And then today I took her on a walk down to the Boy Scout cabin. It's like at the dead end of our road, Um, and she was asking what it was, and I was telling her we can't go inside because we're not invited to those events, and she was asking why, and I was like, only certain people go into this kind of cabin. It's for Boy Scouts, and then Athelia repeats like everything she hears, and she just wanted to climb up and down the stairs by the cabin, so on our second time up the cabin stairs, she was telling me all the reasons we can't go inside, and one of them was, and we can't go inside because we are (laughs) <laughs> we are winners. and I was like that's that wasn't one of the reasons I had given her but she has just been saying women and women's a lot and like even more so I feel like since she told the story of about-
0: woman you the best
1: <laughs> yeah anyway that's so she's just so funny <laughs> <Yeah.
0: clears throat> well today we are going to jump into a conversation around discipleship we thought it would be a perfect next conversation after Haley had her conversation with The last week um first I do want to just make Uh, A side note to our side note podcast that um, (laughs) a couple weeks ago we were talking about Holy Week. And like I made mention about Jesus reinstating Peter and not remembering exactly how long it was. It was like at least a week or something Mm -hmm. um, after Jesus rose again from the dead. So that definitely wasn't a part of Holy Week. Um, And then I said something about the Apostles' Creed saying Sheol, which maybe originally it did, but it definitely said descended into hell, Jesus descended into hell. This is why we normally research things when we um, have, like when we preach but this is us just having honest conversations. So we don't always (laughs) research because we don't always know where we're going with things. Um, So fact check us or um, yeah, please do. um, Yeah, definitely go to the word. And, uh, and that's what we do. We kind of, will say something like, was that right? And kind of double check ourselves a little bit or whatnot. So, cause this is, again, it's just an honest conversation as we explore and try to become like Jesus. And hopefully um, you are as well. And if you're just searching and wondering, who jesus is um hopefully you hang around and you hear our story of how he's transformed our lives so
1: or transformed our lives what were you gonna say how he's the best
0: the best jesus you the best jesus you the best
1: well and i i want to say too not only do we make mistakes on this podcast which is going to happen Mm -hmm. but i even like make mistakes when i'm preaching oh yeah you made that differentiation in the sense like we definitely do more study when we preach but i remember like a little over a year ago when i preached um I just straight up said something that was like not accurate. And I checked myself later and I was like, <gasps> Do I like need to make a blanket statement to all of God's children. Like that was wrong. But I I was at peace, like not doing that. It wasn't like heretical. I just uh, miss said who was a part of like what genealogy mm-hmm. when I was talking, but I had repeated it. So anyway, we're humans and we're going to make mistakes. So yeah. not only if you're like listening to this, like, one-off conversation or 14-off conversation, if you listen to us all the time, but in your normal conversations in life or when you're listening to a teacher of the word, fact check them through the the word of God. Mm -hmm. Like that's a part of our job as the body of Christ is to go back to the word. We should be expecting people to check our words through the word, through Jesus and the gospels. And Well, the Bible um, wasn't
0: designed to be read in isolation. Right. Right.
1: But, when i i more mean, not just the isolation part but listening to one person telling you something that they've read and just taking that as truth um make sure that you know the word so that when you hear something that's not true you're aware that it's not true or yeah just yeah just be in the word is really where yeah what i'm saying okay good okay. cool speaking of being in the word mm-hmm. it's really important to discipleship
0: it is it's uh I'd say it's a key factor. Mm -hmm. Um, The reason I thought this would be a fun conversation coming off of last week's podcast was because um, Athalia and Hagen are Haley and my first disciples. Like our family is our first disciples. Um, And I think that was just so evident last week as I got to listen to Haley and Athalia talking back and forth of how Haley is discipling Athalia. And um, just using scripture to pour into her and prayer to teach her things about who God is. And um, it's just really, really cool uh, relationship to, to watch. And um, I think it just came through so evidently as Athalia was talking. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was just really powerful last week as I thought about that. So um, part of today's conversation is how are we discipling our kids and what are things that we're doing? Um, but then, bringing that into a larger conversation around discipleship so what do you feel like you have been very intentional about with Athelia and Hagen to be to, to disciple them
1: um well I kind of want to say something else first yeah I, so
0: I f- um I didn't ask a question <laughs> Um, I was just talking and now I want you to actually start the podcast. So go go ahead. <laughs> no. Yeah, I want you to start.
1: No. What I wanted to say is I don't think Hagen and Athelia are my first disciples. I think they're my first most intentional disciples, but I think the number of people I've worked with throughout the years, there's years. Years. There's definitely been like discipleship relationships even before I had kids. This is the first like everyday in and out discipleship, but there are several teens in particular. I've discipled over the years.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. I'm at first priority because uh, our families, as in our first
1: yeah. place, just like, oh. yeah,
0: you've definitely discipled many people I before like, we had kids. I
1: feel like this conversation about discipleship, if we're going to tell people like, you need to disciple and be discipled, like it doesn't have to start when you have children. Correct. Not everyone will. Okay. No,
0: I mean, the, you know, <laughs> we have to take care of our home and, mm-hmm. and so, disciple our family. And just so. a heads
1: up guys. Um, Maybe we've said this, but Shay and I define things very differently in our words sometimes. We'll we'll be saying the same thing and not know the person on the other side of the conversation is saying the same thing because we're saying very different words. Or on the flip side, we'll be saying the same words, but we're actually saying something very different.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Translation, so, communication hard. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, okay. So... Your question based on Athelian Hagen being our like our priority disciples.
0: Yes, first yeah, priority.
1: You asked something. What do I what
0: what what's something that you intentionally do to <laughs> disciple them?
1: Oh, something I intentionally do.
0: Now um, just to be clear, we've had other disciples before in the past. <laughs> it's not just Athelian Hagen. We we have discipled other people. <laughs> um we have been discipled by many a people. True. But what do you do for Athelian Hagen? <laughs>
1: okay um I first want to teach them what it's like to be in conversation with God because I think that resembles the relational aspect of who God is Mm. so we pray in our home often and I try to pray in front of them Mm -hmm. often so not just in front of of them when we like eat a meal but then offering for Athalia to pray and when she says I don't know how like do you want to repeat after me but it doesn't matter exactly what words you say like God knows your heart so teaching her that prayer isn't just a certain something you do right before you eat or when you want something but it's actually a part of a conversation with someone which means we don't just do the talking which is very difficult for Athalia. and you may or may not have realized that when you listen to our podcast um, cause we've talked about the amount she talks before, yeah. but she really struggles to listen. Even when she asks a question, she doesn't want to wait for the answer. She just wants to keep talking. So teaching her that conversation means the other person gets to talk to. So I will encourage her not just to talk to God and that you can talk to him anytime. You can talk to him out loud or in your head, but to listen too to listen to the Holy Spirit, to ask him questions like, what do you want to say to me about disobeying mommy and daddy? Um, so I try to model that not just in the words that I say to her, but in my own life and doing it in ways where I'm praying for other people interceding on people's behalves in front of her and Hagen. Um, and if I just say Athalia, please just know that's because she's way more aware right now. And it's not that I don't do these things in front of Hagen, but because of the interaction we have with Athalia. My intentionality is more focused on her, and then Hagen's also in the room, so he's included in this too for sure. Um, but because I have conversations with Athalia, it sometimes changes the way I'm I'm doing things right now. Um, and because Athalia repeats so much, so you might have heard that in the ways she was talking, like stories she tells from the Bible. It's because we sit down and reread the Word together. We. Try to do that every day and we try to do it in the morning whether that's me doing it with the kids or you doing it with them or all of us doing it together um and we've recently begun starting to ask um if not all three questions the similar questions of like what does a story teach us about god because everything in his word points to him everything in our life is about him so asking that question, what does this teach us about Jesus? Because everything points to Jesus. Jesus is redemption and reconciliation. He was God's plan from the beginning to draw us to himself. Um, so asking these like intentional questions. Oh, the third one is what does it teach me about myself and others? Like the applicable mm. question. But doing that um, shows a failure like this and Hagen, like this is the word of God and this is important. So when Athelia says, I don't want to read the Bible or I don't want to pray, then we explain why we do those things because it's all about God. So I try very much to verbally include Athelia in what I'm doing and like praising God and like when we're walking, like God, thank you so much for trees and grass and bugs and um walking Athelia through like being grateful. And when I ask like what are you grateful for? I I don't want to say that today. Then teaching her why we say those things, even when we don't feel like it. So kind of one of the umbrella statements I want to make through all the things I'm saying is I'm very conscientious of what I say. Mm. Not perfect, but I try to choose my vocabulary very carefully and not just because I don't want to say words I shouldn't say in front of her, like curse words in front of her. um, Like that sort of careful, but I mean choosing w- What I say and why I say what I say and explaining things to her while also helping her know you don't always have to understand Mm. because God never promises we're going to understand. He asks us to obey. Um, So right now, one of the ways I disciple her is she'll ask why all the time or she'll kind of talk back when we ask her to do something. And my statement to her is, You say, okay, mama, or okay, daddy, and you obey, and then you can ask why. Mm. Um, so that, that she gets to still ask questions and be inquisitive, and it's not just do this because I say so. Though there are moments I've said that, especially in the last two or three weeks when I've been sick and tired, and I don't have the words to explain why. I just know cognitively this is the right thing to do. That um, I'm trying to give her that space to be inquisitive while not acting disobedient. Mm. Um, I could keep going, but she's your kid too, so what else do you want to add or respond to so far?
0: Um, no, I feel like you you encapula in oh my goodness, um <laughs> that you encompassed a lot of things that we do um so it's definitely definitely more than one, but uh, oh, did you say one? <laughs> I did I said what's one thing you do, but that's okay that's okay oh. um that's it's not like you said anything bad. it was all awesome, but um yeah, so I feel like you really hit the the different things because I feel very similar in the sense of like intentional prayer, um, being intentional with the words that I use, um, intentional time in the word. If you catch, I'm saying intentional a lot because discipleship is incredibly intentional. Mm-hmm. If you're not intentional, the world will, and I mean, for lack of better terms, eat you alive. Like um, being a Christ follower is intentionally dying to self every day, picking mm-hmm. up your cross, living in obedience, living in freedom, living in truth, Um, believing that the story of the gospel is as good as it is and that we are a part of the family of God, like it is intentionally doing all of those things. And so we have to, in discipling our kids be very intentional. Um, I have to intentionally watch the way I react. You know, if she Mm -hmm. does something that like knocks something off the table for the fourth time, I have to just be very careful to not externally get annoyed, even if I'm internally annoyed because I don't, especially when it's something like benign like Mm -hmm. that, you know, if she's intentionally disobeying, I'm okay with her seeing frustration in the sense of like, you need to understand this is serious and disobey disobedience is not okay but when it's something benign she's just being a kid and like bumping into things or knocking things over like i just i want to stay patient even if it's like okay it takes more time out of my day Mm -hmm. trying to get things done this is the fourth time this has happened or the second time she's peed in her underwear as we're trying to potty train and now it's on the floor and i gotta wipe it up off the floors we're like right like those things where it's like okay trying not to get annoyed or frustrated because she's a kid and she's learning and she's growing um And so just being very intentional about what we're doing what we're saying um and honestly i think you've really led the way in that because i think um for a lot of these things i probably would have said like oh she's too young to understand um now at her current age i wouldn't have said that but you started you know intentionally sitting down and reading the word and stuff closer to when she was i mean really her whole life you did some of trying to read the word over her but like the conversation piece at like 18 months where I've probably been like, there's no way she can understand that. But you made the statement of, I want her to like know that this is normal mm-hmm. so that when she is able to understand it, she's um, already aware of the normalcy of it. And so um, I thought that was really, really cool. And so trying to um, learn from you and that and, um, implement those things. But yeah, just being very intentional about the different things that we do. We invite her into the times I had to say no to the things that I want to get done in order to be with her and be present as a loving father. Um, and the times where it says, no, we need to live in responsibility and discipline. We need to do these things. And so sometimes it's me doing them by myself. Sometimes it's inviting her into those. And so just trying to have healthy balance, not just saying, mm-hmm. no, you can't help because it'll be easier without mm-hmm. you, um, even though 99% of the time it would because of the age that she's at, but inviting her in, even if it's more difficult because I'm showing her something, I'm teaching her mm-hmm. um, about care and responsibility and discipline. So yeah, that's probably all I would add to that.
1: That's really good. Um, the passage of scripture that was coming to mind when you were talking, and I am not going to remember the reference right now, but it talks about, I think it's in, isn't it first Timothy where, um, The word is used to rebuke, reprove, and exhort with careful instruction and complete patience. Mm -hmm. I think it's
0: 1 Timothy 4. 1 Timothy 4. I think.
1: Okay. Well, check us, y'all. We'll check us, too. Um, Yeah, I'll
0: I'll do it right now where you're talking.
1: But that patience piece keeps coming up so much because it, I think as adults, we forget what it's like to learn or like as a kid where you actually don't know anything, like you're your parents or the people that raised you, your grandparents, aunt and uncle, um, whatever caretaker was over you, they had to teach you everything, like how to drink out of a cup and how to eat your solid food and how to like potty train or tie your shoes. Like you don't know how to do anything and you don't know how to manage your emotions. And honestly, if we're really honest, even as adults, we don't often know how to manage our emotions because we live in a world in a society and in a culture that tells us do what you feel. And that includes I respond the way I feel. And I really struggle with that as a mom because there are days I have felt so irritated and that's the way I respond. Though I can tell you inside the Holy Spirit is telling me to use complete patience, I will choose irritation because I feel like pagan and Athelia need me in a moment when i really want to finish getting this thing done or i just want a, a workout where i don't have to stop 16 times or like just honestly selfish fleshly things i think there's something about having little disciples whether they're your kids or not or you just watch kids on a regular basis that is so humbling it just it just shows you your humanity <laughs> and you can either choose to accept that as a humbling thing that moves you forward into selflessness, or you can like continue to groan in the flesh part of this thing that keeps popping up when you interrupt me and acting like kids are interruptions and nuisances when they're not like Jesus loved the little children. And the more I'm around kids, the more I know, I think I know why at least Mm -hmm. to a small extent, why he loved kids. There's this purity and this joy in them and this learning spirit Kids want to learn. Like, Athelia wants to do whatever we're doing. And it's because she loves us, but she also, like, wants to learn how to do things. And if we never let her do that, she'll never grow up to be an independent person who is learning to make these decisions on her own, including sitting down to read the Bible by herself or talking to Jesus by herself or listening to Jesus by herself, like modeling for her what it looks like to listen to the Holy Spirit, what it looks like right now we're minimizing her home. Um, so Athelia has been walking around most of the morning talking about, um, we're going to get rid of all of these things and these things and these things and these things because we don't need so many things. And wanting to ingrain that into her, just like God is all we need. So then she was opening my uh, Daniel. I just have like a single book of Daniel from the Old Testament. And that was um, her sermon is what she kept calling it. And the words she kept repeating over and over again is, the Lord Jesus Christ, I have everything I need. Mm-hmm. Um so she's combining the the Psalm 23 that we've been practicing with the Lord Jesus Christ and like that was truth and she just kept repeating it she doesn't know she's speaking truth over herself mm-hmm. but it's true or even right now talking about spiritual warfare in front of her so she's not scared because the enemy is not to be afraid of we have power in the name of Jesus over the enemy so we don't have to fear him but I want her to be aware of spiritual warfare and things that are going on in our heads and our hearts that aren't from Jesus, that we can learn because we're going to fail, but we can learn through and hand back to him. And even when I'm angry and I want to throw a fit, I can choose patience and apologizing when mommy doesn't, because sometimes mommy needs a timeout too, because I didn't choose patience and Mm. I felt like throwing a fit. So there's just so much to discipleship. That's about like, Teaching intentionally and modeling mm-hmm. reconciliation, modeling redemption, modeling, um, what's the word? Repentance, mm.
0: confession. Um,
1: confession, asking for forgiveness, mm. and then letting your student in on what you're doing so yep. that they can learn to do it on their own. Yep. Um, what did you find on the? I was so
0: passage. close. Second Timothy. Second four. Timothy. Second four. Timothy four to preach the word. Be prepared in season, out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but that emphasis of great patience um, mm-hmm. actually means complete patience. Complete patience, um, which is wild to think about. Like, how isn't complete patience perfection in patience? Like, how do you? Be patient perfectly. That's really. Uh, well, I think man. Ryan actually
1: but, even said in a sermon last week that that word means uh, perfect. Which we I, can't yeah, be on so. our own. So like this perfect. Goodness, I'm not good at perfect patience. But I'm so grateful that God is. I don't know that
0: anyone is. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that it's only the Holy Spirit that is. And he gives that to us. Just saying. Yeah. Um, So, like, these things, like, maybe you don't have kids and you're like, okay, what about other discipleship? And I just want to say, like, these things that we're talking about honestly apply to other areas Mm -hmm. of discipleship. Like, the idea of getting frustrated with somebody you're discipling when they're not doing what they should be and they keep making mistakes. Like, sometimes it's actually easier to be more frustrated, in my mind, at an adult. Because, like, you know, like, you cognitively can know and understand how this is harmful to you my two-year-old doesn't a lot of times and so like um that that I think still applies like how do we still enact Mm -hmm. patience when we're trying to disciple others so I think those things apply but um on that note I did want to just kind of broaden it a little bit and as we look at discipleship as a whole but what do you see in the life of Jesus as you read the gospels what do you Mm -hmm. see in the area of discipleship that we can learn and or apply
1: Wow, so much.
0: Well, yeah. So, what's what's one <laughs> what's one, one thing that yeah. you see?
1: Uh, Jesus asks a lot of questions.
0: Mm.
1: And he doesn't always give straightforward answers.
0: Why do you think that is?
1: Um I think <sighs> there's something to be said about The person you're discipling or you, if you're being discipled, let's say by Jesus, discovering something in, quote unquote, on your own, where Mm. there's something more powerful, um, more graspable. uh, I made that word up when you are the one that comes to a conclusion of something. Or if you can even just start processing, like if Jesus is like, who do you say I am? Well, who do I say that you are? I could tell you what I, I should say that you are according to my pastor or my parents or someone else. But like, what do I really say that you are? What does my life show that you are? So I think it's, it's searching inside, like it's penetrating, especially when that question comes from Jesus or the word, like it, it cuts into you where you're like, what what do I really say? Or when Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? Like, do I love you? Like, God could say, like, you should love me, but that's not his heart. Or he can compel us, like, love me, because I know that's what, like, will fulfill you. But I just love the questions of Jesus that
0: Mm.
1: that, um, (laughs) force other people, specifically in his time with the Pharisees and Sadducees who were trying to really corner him on things, that he would reopen the conversation back to them so he wasn't pigeonholed into this place. One, that was manipulation, but two, like, from the Pharisees and Sadducees, like, to him, but two... Um, they wanted things to be so cut and dry. They wanted Jesus to be who they thought he should have been or the Messiah they thought they were actually waiting for because they didn't understand who he really was or who he was supposed to be or their religion had become their God as opposed to God being God. And therefore, we practice these things like the law had become this thing where Jesus just flipped things on its head all the time. And questions, I think, are a huge part of that, where it it invites you into it and for you to process and think through like, with the Holy Spirit, like, what what is going on in there? Like, what belief systems do you really have? Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's why he asks, but just even in, like, life coaching, training, realizing how important questions are. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not the one here to discover for you what you need to do. Me asking you questions helps you get to a place mm-hmm. where you know what you should do. And I'm just here to, like, process with you, be a listening ear, and keep you accountable. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's the thing that came to mind Yeah, and his stories. They mm. were very, some of them were quite confusing, like the parables, but he was trying to simplify the kingdom because the kingdom really is simple, but putting it in story form. So it was understandable to Mm. those whose eyes were open to it. Yeah.
0: Um, anyway. Yeah. I think the other thing too, just to note is that their discipleship takes many forms. Mm. Um, that it's not like if you're not doing it this way, you're not discipling Um, discipleship in in the context of the, uh, in the context of Christ followers um, is helping somebody else become more Christ-like, like Like that it's what is happening because we usually use it in the terms of like um, one person to one person. um, Mm. And, because discipleship is also us learning from God. Like I'm being discipled through His Word and His truth. But um, the language we use in the in the church and in, in Christian language, discipleship is from people to people, not usually from God to people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what we're talking about. When we're talking about discipleship, it's how does a person or people lead a person or people? Um, and what, what does that look like? So that takes many different forms. I think it can be one-on-one, like a mentor-mentee relationship where somebody who is um, spiritually more mature or they just, they um, I don't want to say have more faith because I think faith in God is faith in God, but that they have um, more knowledge of who God is and more experiences with God and that you can glean wisdom from. Um, I think it can happen in like accountability or Talmudim aspect, you know, where Jesus sends out um, the disciples by in groups of two in the New Testament when he sent them out into different villages that they went out in pairs. So they were peers who were doing ministry in pairs. Um, or it could look like, you know, more of a life group, discipleship group, whatever, where it's like a leader or two leaders leading a group of eight, ten 15, 20 people. Um, So it it can take all of these different things, but the principles I think really need to stay ultimately the the same. I mean, it is pointing people to Jesus and helping them become more like him. Would you agree with that outline or? I think so. Amend anything?
1: Um, no, I think I don't, I know what you're saying when you're saying mentor mentee relationship, but I just kind of want to hit on that doesn't mean I think that in that kind of one-on-one discipleship, it has to be if it's not someone that's like in uh, an accountability partner to you that because often mentor mentee means I'm telling you all the things I've learned experientially, like and then telling you like you should do this based on my story that mm-hmm. um, that I don't necessarily think is a hundred percent what you mean. So I just kind of right. wanted to like, have you defined a little more what you mean when you say like a mentor mentee
0: relationship? What I mean by that is when I look at the life of Jesus and Peter together, um, because that was the one-on-one relationship. So Jesus had three different groups. He had, well, maybe four. He had the larger group of disciples, you know, 72, 120, um, that were kind of a part of his ministry. Then he had the 12 apostles who we know as the 12 disciples. Um, then he had John, um, Peter, John, and James, who were kind of his inner three circle, who got to go on the mountain um, during the transfiguration, and then Peter, who he said, I will build my church on this rock. Um, And so the relationship between Jesus and Peter, we don't often see Jesus trying to think if we really ever see Jesus be like, Hey Peter, this is what I've learned from experience and Mm -hmm. and here's how you should do it. He does say, here's how you should do it because he's God. Um, But he often challenges Peter. He pushes back. Um, Even the time where he says, get behind me, Satan, for you do not have in mind what the father has set out for me to do. Um, So that idea of like a a one-on-one relationship where somebody, um, I would just say, trying to think of the way to put it. Cause again, like, I don't think it's like somebody has more faith than you. I think that's actually bad theology to think that way. Um, but somebody who just has grown in their faith or is more mature in their spiritual depth. Maybe you're just like, man, I've been, um, playing Christian for a while, or I'm only really Christian on Sundays, or, um, I'm kind of stuck in the sense of, I don't actually pursue the word or pursue prayer regularly. And it's seeking somebody out who you you know does those things, who is pursuing Jesus with all that they are. And, and so that's kind of what I mean is that that person in your life um, who you can ask questions of and say, hey, I'm, I'm struggling here doing this. But the mentor oftentimes might say, hey, here's a suggestion, but a lot of good mentors ask questions because if they've, um, if they've been a disciple of Jesus, they've learned how to ask good questions um, and to help somebody else come to their own conclusions like you said so sometimes it is experience it's hey this is what i've done this is what i've seen or this is how um you know when i've struggled with that thing or this thing or whatever this is how i've pursued god in spite of it or worked through it but i think a lot of times it is just helping the mentee process through what it is in their lives so maybe mentor mentee is the wrong example but i really just mean that one-on-one discipleship aspect Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. No, I hear what you're saying. And I do think there is something to um, not just taking whatever anyone says, like we said earlier at, like, that is the word of God, Yeah, yep. <laughs> checking it. But also when when we're saying mentor, mentee, or um, who asks good questions, or Jesus asking good questions and come up with your own conclusion, that doesn't mean that whatever you come up with is correct. Because mm-hmm. truth is still yep. true. Yep. But It's a good, like, let's start walking and you're walking with me. Mm -hmm. I'm not just like showing you the way, though I will do that too. Like Jesus Mm -hmm. showed his disciples the way they did life together. I think Mm -hmm. that's huge for discipleship. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean you'll be living in the same house with all your disciples all the time, but like regularly, intentionally doing life with people Mm -hmm. where there's accountability involved. That Mm -hmm. includes the accountability of like, you know what the conclusion you just came up with? actually doesn't check out with truth. Mm. So let's go over the belief. Like, why do you believe that? Where does mm-hmm. that come from? Yeah. And what does God actually say? Yeah. Because I could sit with uh, someone who's discipling me and tell them I feel like I have to be good enough, but that's never in the word of God.
0: Mm-hmm. God knows I
1: can't be good enough. So, okay, well, thanks for sharing that conclusion, Haley. Let's move on. Like, that's obviously not going to be good discipleship that reaps good fruit. Yeah. Um, so just know that when we say you're asking good questions or good questions are asked of you that whatever you come up with doesn't necessarily mean that's what's true. Correct. Um, but when we speak out these things, it can help bring things to light, mm-hmm. um, like God's word says, even darkness is as light to him. Mm -hmm. And we're not supposed to do life on our own. We need time alone with the Lord, just as Jesus walked away from his disciples to spend time alone with the Mm -hmm. father. But we also need community. And that includes like bringing up these things, things that we struggle with, temptations that we're walking through, because the enemy will want to isolate you Mm -hmm. and make you think like, no one else knows what you're going through. You have to do this on your own. It's like, One of his like most told lies, I think. And actually, I feel like the more you talk about things you struggle with, the more you're like, oh, everyone else struggles with things very similar because the enemy's lies are all the same. Mm. Um, Because he wants to isolate us in these places, making us think we have to be good enough and do it on our own, that we have to know um, how to be God. And that's Mm. not what we were ever supposed to be. God is God. So anyway, I just wanted to make that clarification that your conclusion doesn't necessarily mean like yeah. okay great well that's it yep um but it does give us room to process and to fail like mm-hmm. we need to learn and sometimes that means we fail
0: yep well and that's so good cuz yeah <clears> sometimes <throat> i need i need to just verbalize those "Quote unquote" conclusions because I need somebody else to check those mm-hmm. against. Like, hey, is this right? Because I mean, even the proverbs say, "As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another." Right? Mm-hmm. Like, I have to share what I think those conclusions are and say, "Is this right?" Let's let's check it with the Word of God. Let's let's check that conclusion in community, and um, I want to make sure that this actually is isn't just some um, something I'm believing or con- constructing in my own uh, mind space, but that it's actually what God wants or, or, or the um, character out of the character and the mission of God. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think that's so cru- crucial. You also made another comment a couple different times about this idea of living out ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I just want to say this, um, do as I say, not as I do is the worst discipleship statement you could ever make. I just, yep. <laughs> I want to say that. Like, I get that in the sense of like, maybe you're teaching somebody how to play basketball and you're not as good at doing it. You're not physically as good at it, but you know the game so well. Yeah, that makes sense. Do it, do as I'm saying to do it. Don't necessarily watch me because I can't do it the way you should do it. I get that. When it comes to the discipleship, that is terrible because most things, if not everything, is more caught than taught in the sense of like people are going to catch on to the things you're doing rather than, oh, you said this. And so now that stuck with me and now I do it. Mm-hmm. No, they're going to watch the behavior of your lives. That's why Hayley and I talked about we have to be so intentional around Athalia with the words that we use so she doesn't pick up um, negative habits or even mindsets. Hayley and I have both struggled in different areas of like insecurity And so we need to be honest with each other about those. But we have to be extremely cautious not to bring Athelia into those yet because she can't comprehend what that is and why we have to talk about them. So I don't want her to hear me talking about insecurity and start to think those things about herself at such a young age. Um, So we have to be very intentional. And so um, but that's the same with adult disciples or teenagers or older kids. Like it doesn't matter. You have to model discipleship well. Um, oh, the statement you made that reminded me of that was that Jesus went away to be alone with the father. He continually modeled what it means to to love God and to serve him. And that is mm-hmm. to spend time with him because he's a relational God. And that is to do his will. Yeah, but, that's good. Um, I think I had another question that I wanted to follow up on, but I went into that little tangent. Now I can't remember.
1: Hmm. Hmm.
0: Do you have anything that popped up?
1: Um, I was just thinking about doing life with people and how, uh, at least in my own story, that's often looked like not saying things when I should say things because I'm like, oh, well, we're not intentionally discipling or um, you haven't asked me to speak into that part of your life. And hear me, please. Relationships are so important. But I feel like there have been times where it's pressed upon my heart to say something in a moment Like, stop talking about that person, please, or I'm leaving or like just walking away, um, which I've done before. But I'll just most of the time just trying to change conversation instead of calling out my brothers and sisters on something. And I don't mean judgmentally, but I just mean there are times like I know I should say something because we all are sitting around here knowing the truth. And yet we're engaging in this thing that's not God's truth. Okay. Um, can I, I need yeah. to interrupt
0: real quick before you continue. Cause this is something I don't think I've said this on our podcast yet. Um, this is actually an incredibly large pet peeve of mine. And by pet peeve, I mean like a soul mm-hmm. level issue within the church. If you are a Christ follower and somebody calls you out for something that is not judgmental, that is accountability. Mm-hmm. Now it depends on the posture of the person's heart, Yes, but this word stop judging me or don't judge me. Within the context of the church outside the church, they're not meant to be held accountable. They don't believe and hold to the things we believe and hold to of Scripture, right? Like, um, so they can't be held accountable to that, because that doesn't make sense. If they don't believe it, why would they hold account- be held accountable to it? Within the church, though, like, this concept of your judgment no no no. we are calling out stuff to say we don't see jesus living that way or calling us to live that way so i'm challenging your behavior i'm challenging your words i'm challenging your thought process i'm challenging what you're saying because i'm holding you accountable because when you profess faith um, and when you get baptized out of obedience you're declaring to the body that you are a christ follower and so when i say something I am challenging what you're doing and holding you accountable. Now, some things are maybe they're more nuanced where scripture doesn't blatantly say, don't do this or don't do that, but I'm just wanting to challenge. And I'm wanting you to go to God with that, to say, God, is this something that I'm at fault for? But some things are just blatantly against scripture, like, hey, they just brought up like gossip, like talking about somebody else. So like when people are challenging, I just... That's something that so bothers me that when we're challenged, it's not judgment, it's accountability. Mm -hmm. And we're so quick to say, no, it's just, I'm I'm just doing my thing. You can't judge me. Like, well, yes, I sort of can because it's accountability, not a judgment. It's not that I'm superior. It's that I am calling you out as a Christ follower to live as Christ called us to live. Please continue. (laughs)
1: Um, And you made the comment, like, it depends on the person's posture. This also doesn't give you license to just say whatever you want to anybody all the time. Correct. I, It is truly led by the Holy Spirit, I believe, mm-hmm. where you are in surrender to him, asking him to show you what to say and when to say it. Mm-hmm. Because there are times I think I can sense like... I don't want to say something because it would be really uncomfortable. And there are times it's easier for me to say something. If someone comes to me as a pastor and wants to talk, I feel like you have given me license to mm-hmm. speak truth into your life. Yep. The harder instances are when people haven't welcomed it. Yep. Um, and I sense like I'm not comfortable right now mm-hmm. because this is against God's word. And yet I'm like so nervous about being uncomfortable around these people that I don't want to say something. But there is... There is a kindness mm-hmm. in truth, and truth is love and grace. Mm-hmm. Yes, and love is truth and grace. But like, there's hard truth, mm-hmm. and we don't we don't like when we're called out. I mean, I love God so much, like with all of myself, and I hate being called out. Sometimes I mm-hmm. want to grow, mm-hmm. like that's a natural propensity in my heart is to grow but in a moment like i can snap at shay because i feel embarrassed that he just like called me out on something and then i have to come back and apologize for that posture of my heart but if you sense you are to say something it needs to be out of the posture of peace and surrender to the holy spirit Mm -hmm. even if it would be uncomfortable Mm -hmm. um and being willing to lose relationships over that i think um because (laughs) we just let a lot I think we let a lot slide that Jesus probably would have called out and just said like, hey, whoa, careful.
0: Mm-hmm. Like,
1: that's my kid. Mm-hmm. Um, that there's just, there's a kindness. There's a way that it can be done in a kind way. But we live in a culture, in a society that tells you, you have to be nice and you have to condone all the things I do or you don't love me. Mm-hmm. That's not a definition of love. Yep. Love includes truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and truth is is in God's word. It says your word is truth. Mm. Like that's where it's at. Mm -hmm. So if what I'm saying can be checked through God's word, then yes. And again, it doesn't give you license to just like berate people either. Yeah,
0: And that's something that our executive pastor Ryan preached on. One of our values Mm -hmm. is radical grace at impact. Um, And he said, if you can't, correct or challenge somebody and I think the way he put it which is so beautiful if you can't do it slathered in the same grace Mm -hmm. of which God has given you Mm -hmm. then I don't want you to do it right we have to correct rebuke and reprove people in the same grace which we were demonstrated because we are not better but we are the same so the same way God has corrected and convicted my heart and, and um, calls me into hol- his holiness, I want to help do that with others because we are Christ followers together. We're, mm-hmm. we're a family. We're brothers and sisters. And so I have to do that slathered in the same grace that was shown to me. But that still means I have to do it mm-hmm. and not just avoid it.
1: Yeah. And the other thing with discipleship too is um, not just discipling, but being discipled. Yeah. You need to be discipled by the word, um, getting in a discipleship relationship, whether that's someone who is, um, ages ahead in their relationship with Jesus, like decades, you mm. know, and you keep saying, I don't want to say, uh, what'd you say? That they have faith, more faith, more faith, but more years experiencing faith in their relationship mm-hmm. with Jesus. Yeah. Right. Or like right now I'm in a Talmudim. Um, can you explain that? Like so, people know what we're saying when we say that word. So
0: I always forget it's it's a it's a Greek word, but I forget what it actually translates to. But uh, the way I use it is a talmudim is um, I think it has to do with a band of brothers. Originally, is this idea of banding together with at least one other person or a couple other people. Um, so the the way I use talmudim or we do in um, the context of our leadership team at, at impact is um, getting in a room with one, two or three other people, probably no more than four um, where you are striving and fighting together to be like Jesus. So oftentimes that includes accountability, but that also th- includes like a mutual discipleship where it's like you have license to speak into my life i have license to speak into your life we are partners on this journey and we're all partners on the journey we're all brothers and sisters in christ but some people are just like it's more of that quote-unquote mentor mentee where it's somebody's pouring in and sharing their wisdom Um, or maybe it's not a healthy environment for you to open up completely a talmudim is like we are open um, we are sharing relationship. We're doing life together even more intentionally than anybody else. Um, this is somebody I'm texting or calling when I'm hurting, when I'm celebrating. This is somebody we're just um, going through life and and fighting with each other to become more like Jesus and doing things missionally, I think, together, even yeah. like serving alongside each other as well.
1: Mm-hmm. But. Thank you for explaining that. Um, so I'm in a Talmudian with one other person, and it has been some of the greatest growth I've experienced in a short amount of time. Hmm. Um, And I'm not saying that that's like a join one or start one and that's going to be what it is. But there's something about the intentionality of saying we're meeting once a week at this time. We're going to talk about these things. We're keeping each other accountable. We're checking each other through the word. We're building one another up and reproving, rebuking, and exhorting each other. And that becomes when you know you're meeting in that place, that becomes a safe place to hear that person's heart, too, Um, because the person I meet with, like, I trust her incredibly. Mm -hmm. And I know what she says to me. She's saying from a heart that has been postured before the word and the Holy Spirit and then even brings it with. Now, I just like let's say she's reproving me in an area like I think there's straight up sometimes it's like, hey, stop doing that thing. Right. Because it just is not in line with God's truth but other times we might just be asking questions of each other of our hearts and it's like hey I'm I'm just wondering this thing so I'm not saying this is the word of God but I'm just wondering this thing that even the reprove comes with this grace of like hey I see this happening in you where is that coming from because what I see is this and like oh my goodness you're dead on and like you didn't I didn't even see that in myself Mm. or I did but like the fact that God put it on your heart to bring up to me was just like confirmation that I need to be doing this thing. Or for the two of us, it's actually been, we've both been experiencing very similar convictions and didn't know the other person was and didn't know if we should even like, "Eh, maybe that's just me like trying too hard. But like, no, that's, that is what God is asking me to do right now. And having the other person bring that up um, has actually been confirmation. Like, yep, we both need to be pursuing this part right now um, in our convictions with Jesus and being in his word and how we disciple our families. And um, yeah, there's there's just something to discipleship that is so pruning when God is at the center of it. Um, and then it's challenging for me when I'm away too, because then I know there's accountability coming in a different way than there is like with you. Because mm. um, there are certain things If you are married, people, there are certain things your spouse cannot keep you accountable for. Mm -hmm. um, Or maybe shouldn't keep you accountable for. Maybe I I shouldn't say can't. But that... And and it
0: could be personality.
1: There could be. But even just uh, male relationships and female Mm. relationships, there are just certain things that... Shay cannot speak my language Mm -hmm. in the same way that my accountability partner can. um, Because I have a certain propensity that she understands in a way that Shay can't. Mm. And I'm saying that sometimes like Shay and I have accountability mm-hmm. Hear us in that, but he is not my go-to accountability partner. Some of that is our personality. Cause in a moment, like I just can't hear Shay say certain things to me, yeah. but I can easily text my accountability partner and say like, Hey, I'm struggling with this. But when the person you live with and love the most aside from God, and then my children, like after Shay, like there is, I think I experience this like guilt or shame or embarrassment quicker um that it's just harder um but i also think there there's just good space to be outside of it shouldn't just be you and your spouse and jesus all the time like we Mm. need other community too um i just wanted to say that because i think in some ways i was erring on the side for a long time in mine and shay's relationship of having shay be like my only friend or my like first friend um aka like first friend meaning like he held everything for me. Mm. Um, but that, that isn't a weight he should bear. That's not a weight any one person should bear Mm. first. Jesus is everything. God gives us everything that we need. Mm -hmm. But I also think there's, um, God gives us different relationships and different seasons of time. And I think it's important to have like more than one person, if possible, who can help carry some of those things who can see a different perspective than this other person. Um, I, I'm just saying that from experience, like it's been really helpful to have two or three people in my life at one time, if possible, if God has provided that who Mm -hmm. can speak, um, in different ways or even bring up like similar confirmation, you Mm -hmm. know, but anyway, it's just been so growing Mm -hmm. for me. And then I think improves me as a disciple leader, like for my kids, it just makes me more aware, not just my kids, but I'm a children's pastor. Like I'm around other kids, Mm -hmm. like teaching them about jesus and that discipleship relationship looks quite different from mine at home and the amount of time i spend with them Mm -hmm. but i'm still trying to be aware of what i say and model for them and in the short period of time we're together what it looks like to talk to jesus to listen to jesus to read his word to ask good questions to treat other people with respect Mm -hmm. to do things you don't want to do because it's what you are called to do in your covenant relationship when you give your life to god um, and that out of that comes this character, this endurance, this perseverance that grows your faith, that fulfills you, even though you're uncomfortable in this moment obeying that, mm-hmm. like there's a, a different kind of comfort, a peace mm-hmm. that comes when you obey. Um, so yeah, there's just, there's a lot to all these yeah. different areas of discipleship that I'm a part of or that we are a part of as people mm-hmm. um, that I think just simply comes down to like bringing Jesus like to he he's our center and our focus mm-hmm. um and what are we doing that aligns or doesn't align with him and his word um so anyway i, I feel mm-hmm. like i'm kind of like all over the place right now yeah, i also perfect. think i say that a lot on this podcast
0: okay. <laughs> well you're you're sometimes all over the place in general when you're tired because it's hard for you to have a formulated thought I mean, is that fair is that rude That's not rude oh okay it's true oh, okay um you have great things to say but sometimes, I'm like, yeah, you said it like four times, just in like four oh, and a half different ways. See, um,
1: and I don't even know I do that.
0: No, it's true. It's um, but it really is. It's good. I didn't feel like you did that there. I was just talking about it other times. Um, but we should probably wrap it up. It's already been like over fifty minutes. Oh um, wow! This is uh, this wow. we we might wow. need to have another podcast on discipleship, like a part two. This I is, think so. That would be cool. so good. We'll um, have a the back last sometime. thing I wanted to say was just that um, I think it it's rooted in humility. Yes. Like, you have to be humble enough to recognize you need saving, first of all, to come to Jesus in general. Then you have to be humble enough to learn how he's calling you to live. You have to be humble enough to hear the correction and the rebukes from other people who you know love and care about you. So, like, a lot of times when I get mad at Haley, I'm frustrated with, like, the way something happened. But when I stop later and reflect on it, it's like, I know she was saying that because she cares about me. So there is a level of trust. Now, don't get me wrong. We still get mad at each other and have fights by the way we handle things. Yes. I think that happened yesterday. Um, Maybe it was two days ago, but like that still happens. But in humility, recognizing like they are fighting for my good, Mm -hmm. even if in their humanness in my humanness, I don't do it well all the time. Um, Whether it's, I'm just wanting to fix a problem or to change somebody quicker than, than they're moving or whatever. um, Just knowing that they have, They want what's best for me. They want me to be like Jesus. Mm -hmm. So humility, humility, humility. But anyways, um, so that's it for today. We'll go ahead and uh, give you a little respite from our voices. So thanks for tuning in. I hope that this is good. I hope this spurs on a conversation about what your life of discipleship looks like and how to disciple others. Uh, Anything else to sign off, babe? Anything else to say?
1: Mm, No, I just, truth. Be in the word. Hmm. Speak truth. Don't just do... Don't just do something because it's the way it's always been done around you or it's the way that the world is telling you to do something Mm -hmm. or even the way the church is telling you to do something that like, well, it's just the way it's done. Um, Know truth and speak true things um, about yourself and others and be willing to live boldly. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit gives you the power to do that. But there's nothing quite like living in that peace when we're obedient to Mm -hmm. his call and living in truth
0: and perfect love balances grace and truth together they're wedded together Mm -hmm. cool thanks everybody i hope you have an awesome week and we will catch you next time